0: At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers.
1: Bum, 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 bum.
2: Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.
1: So you think
0: Yeah. I don't know how secure this building is. What if it all comes down? Welcome to the Atheist Experience. I'm Matt Delaney. Joining me this week, my good friend, Dr. Daryl Ray. Good to have Uh, you here, Guy. The author of The God Virus, author of Sex and God, uh, creator of Recovering from Religion, the Secular Therapy Project, the Hotline Project, and lots and lots of porn that you will never see. (laughs)
3: How are you? I'm fine. I love Shelly Siegel. She was at my house about three months ago and Mm -hmm. gave a house concert at my house.
0: She was at my house a few months ago, too. But did she
3: give a house concert at your house?
0: Oh, yeah. She and I sat around and jammed, and then I I gave her my strum
3: stick. (laughs) Well, okay, my drumstick's bigger than yours. Oh, I said strumstick,
0: but you know, as long as we're measuring, hi, Shelly, we love you. (laughs) Yes, yes, Uh, yeah. So, you know, you came down. uh, Well, essentially, you you drove straight through and got here Wednesday night. Yeah, right. Uh, Then you did on Thursday. You and I did Secular Sexuality with Christy. Yeah, and then uh, Friday you did Truth Wanted, and you went to San Antonio Antonio. to party with some people who are dubious at best. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love all my fact friends and all the San Antonio guys. Uh and now you're back and you did truth wanted or you did talk heathen earlier. Right. Now we're doing atheist experience. Uh how much vacation are you taking when we're done with you? I I
3: think I'm gonna go home and sleep for a week after this. <laughs> you
0: guys have worn me out. that's <laughs> uh, great. Well we're glad to have you. Today's Sunday June 30th unless of course you're watching this later when it's not uh the atheist community of Austin. You can find out more information at atheist-community.org uh, There's a bunch of information, announcements, there's some special events coming up, but I don't have any of that right now. We need to, we got a, a line full of callers. There's a couple of things that we want to talk about. One is that Recovering from Religion is doing something special this November, and I want to make sure you tell everybody, uh, and I'm sure they'll put a graphic up where people can go for, right, to yeah, Recovering okay. from to
3: recoveringfromreligion.org. Actually, it's September. September. September, right. Yes. 20... If you show up in November,
0: yeah. you missed it.
3: <laughs> Twenty. Uh, one through 20. Why don't we just do it in September
0: and November, and that way I can be right? Well, Why won't you let me be right, Daryl? Uh, I like to piss
3: you off. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In like September, to, the 20th, 21st, yeah, 21st, 22nd. Yeah, 20, 21st, 22nd. We're doing a—well, uh, we're calling it an excursion, reconnect with your nature, and it's in the beautiful mountains of North Carolina. Yes. Where people will be able to come and talk and look at each other and talk about recovery issues and and talk about how to reconnect their sex with to their sexuality, reconnect with nature, instead of looking at the sun and thinking God made a beautiful sunrise. You look at the sun and say, "Wow, that's the rotation of the Earth." We're actually going to have a, an astronomer there. Mandisa Thomas is going to be Ooh. there. We're, we have four secular therapists there. It's going to be really cool. People just coming to talk about recovery issues. Anybody can come. Families can come. Couples can come. We even got child. We'll have childcare uh, activities. It's it's gonna be a very relaxing weekend with lots of good food and obviously really good company and uh,
0: and I haven't verified my schedule yet but after you told me that Gail was coming and Shannon was coming and Mandisa was coming yeah. I was like why the
3: hell have I not booked my time there yet <laughs> uh, so yeah I, I yeah. May, you may well see me sneak in there we we would take you in a heartbeat uh, yeah Gail and Gail's of course Shannon Nebo is the it's her it's her idea and and she and Gail have worked their butts off to make this happen the oh rest no, no. Of, if I
0: could get Shannon to move to Austin. Um, She's one of the hardest-working, sweetest, make-shit-happen people I've ever met. She is,
3: she is. And if I could get her to
0: move to Austin, uh, we would be making use of her here. Yeah, we wouldn't let
3: that happen. uh, We've chained her down. She's... Dibs. (laughs)
0: Dibs! <laughs> you can't call dibs on people, Daryl. That's not fair. Uh, well.
3: With Shannon, I will give it my best shot.
0: <laughs> so anyway, special shout out to, to Shannon as well. Yeah. Apart from the fact that you know this is a, a an excursion, call it whatever you want. Uh, it's getting back in touch with your nature. Right, right. Um, right. And, you know, we're in a position where religion often denies human nature and makes people feel guilty or imposes shame upon people for that. Yeah, right. But you mentioned something funny, mildly funny to me about this the other day, and that is you can show up and just spend the whole time in your room. It's fine. There's not like a set schedule. You are not going to be... It's oh,
3: not a church camp.
0: At 11 a.m., we're going to talk about how we don't believe in Jesus. And then at 11.45, we'll start lunch. And after lunch, we'll talk about how you should probably have some sex. Uh,
3: you no, know. yeah, no, it's not going to be like that. Either with you, yourself or somebody. You come and do whatever you want. You can even go in your room and jack off. We don't care. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like like you were going to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that on that note, you know, anybody who's interested, by the way, we've promoted Recovering from Religion here almost since b- almost before it existed, yeah. because you you and I talked about this a little bit when you, you had the beginnings of the idea and you were actively starting working on on this and the psychotherapy project right. and all the hotline stuff. Um, but I remember way back in the past. Uh, there was uh, Dr. Marlene Winnell. right? Yeah, uh, you had had a conversation with her. I had a conversation with her, and then the, the three of us uh, talked. and I'm sure you guys talked about. It. I don't want to. I don't want to insert myself in the narrative. I didn't do any work at all with regard to founding, recovering for okay. religion, or anything else. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and saw this is a really amazing thing. And one of the, the things that Marlene kind of woke me up to was something she calls religious trauma syndrome. Right,
3: right. Which, yeah.
0: while it's not in the DSM, it's right. – you've talked about it before. Well, isn't?
3: trauma is in the DSM. Right. PTSD is in the DSM. And what the DSM doesn't talk about is what – what are the antecedents? What are the causes of right. trauma and religion? What well, we are, what what Dr. Marlene Manella and and others of us psychologists in the field are saying, religion contributes to trauma just like war contributes to trauma. Tra- child abuse contributes to trauma. In fact, oftentimes they're all related. So let's not give a pass to religion. Religion is a major cause of trauma. And that's why we started. Part of the reason we started recovering from religion to give people a place to come and talk, discover what you know with the help they could get, and then uh, offer them that help, or at least give them channels to get that that help. Religious trauma is a, an insidious thing for people that are coming out of religion. Sometimes, I mean, at least in my observation, at recovering from religion, we. We talk to people all the time who say something like, I was beaten by my parents when they caught me masturbating, or I was beaten by my parents because they I didn't learn my Bible lessons, and lots of child abuse. I mean, that's child abuse, but it's also religion. If the parents didn't believe that crap, they wouldn't be beating their kids, and so the the trauma comes into them as adults, and they don't know what to do with it when they leave the church. Now, the problem is they beat their own kids. And now they turn around and say, I turned out all right. Yeah. No, you didn't.
0: You're still hitting people.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we're, we're, I, part of the reason I'm talking to you here today is I want to educate people that religion causes trauma. Now, if you were raised in some kind of a Episcopalian or Unitarian, you're probably not going to be traumatized. But I'll tell you, if you were raised in a Baptist church where they believed spare the rod, spoil the child, and you were beaten, for not eating your peas, or you're beaten for not learning your Bible lessons, you may well be caught bringing trauma into your into your adulthood.
0: And I, I I can say, by the way, since I've talked about my parents before, I was never beaten for masturbating. I was never beaten for. I don't think I recall ever being beaten for not eating my food and certainly not. I was, however, uh, beaten on occasion when I misbehaved. And for the longest time, I just accepted that that's the way it was. I don't suffer personally that I'm aware of any after effects from it. uh, But I'm vehemently opposed to it. I'm fucking tattooed, never hit a child, never hit anybody. Right, Right. We don't have to specify with a child. Don't hit hit people. Uh, But for the people out there who might be religious who are like, oh, here we go. These atheists are sitting here talking about religion's cause and trauma. Clearly, they don't have the first clue what they're talking about because religion is a force for good and it's what holds the, the world together. And it's all about love and it's all about this other stuff. Allow me to just calmly and politely suggest that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> because while you may not have, like, when I was spanked and I say I don't suffer anything from it, that doesn't mean that somebody else who was punished in the same way that I was doesn't suffer from that. The fact that religions can inspire people and make use of people to do good things or positive things doesn't mean that there's not also negative baggage there. And you're not the person who decides whether or not somebody else has been emotionally traumatized. Right, right. Yeah. The fact of the matter is maybe, maybe your church is relatively fine, but... When you, when your foundation is based on, oh, it's God's way or you're terrible, and when you talk about God's way, it is uh, an archaic notion that takes no advantage of what we've learned in the last couple thousand years with regard to interpersonal relationships, with regard to mental health. We need to stop... Yeah putting a stigma on mental health issues and the churches are by and large incredibly responsible for that stigma by saying that, oh, well, that's demon possession or you've given over to sin and God's given you over to reprobate mind and things like that. Your religion may not be the worst. Your religion may not even be all that bad. And if that's the case, then we're probably not talking about your religion. But we might be. And so taking a, a minute to think about how the things you've learned have affected you What sort of baggage you carry around in your daily life might make it a little easier to understand when we talk to people who say, I I was treated this way because of religion. And please do us a favor. Don't call in to apologize on behalf of other people. Oh, I'm so sorry about the way you treated. I appreciate that. I appreciate that you you have empathy and that you're not a shitty person, that you're not a jackass. Ten bucks. Uh, But... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's a amusing side note in back in here. I appreciate the fact that, that you might not feel that way, but this isn't necessarily about how you feel. And there are people who, who have been ostracized and their families have lost everything. Right, right. And what you've got with the Recovering from Religion Foundation is a helpline. Right. And um, a chat line. And you and yeah. I, I put up a video um, just yesterday. It'll be public to everybody tomorrow because i'm slightly uh, this evening i will go switch it either during the show or after the show uh, daryl and i talked about all this specifically about how people could potentially volunteer in the
3: way they could right yeah and, and i'm told we've got one of
0: your volunteers here yeah, gwen gwen uh, is
3: here to talk about what she does and, uh, and also talk a little bit about religious trauma because i think she's right. got some insight into that outstanding well gwen welcome uh, to the show you're on with matt and daryl hi matt
2: hi daryl how are you can you hear me okay yep thanks
0: we, for we calling hear you perfectly
2: Excellent, excellent. Yes, I started uh, volunteering uh, probably just about six weeks ago. I'd heard about it, but didn't really think I was qualified because I hadn't been an atheist long enough or whatever. <laughs>
3: <it's-> <laughs> and got your atheist card Nobody can,
0: <laughs> can talk to anybody about religion until they've done this shit as long as I have. No way. <laughs> and actually, it's, it's, it's good that you mentioned that because uh, the new co-host on The Atheist Experience, uh, Jenna, uh, hasn't been an atheist for a great deal of time and yet. you know, If you anybody has something to offer to other people, so I'm really glad you volunteered. Yeah. So tell us more about yeah. it.
2: Yeah, so it's it's been great. Uh, the training was amazing. Uh, the vetting process was great because not only did they make sure I was a good fit for them, but they made sure this was a good fit for me. Great. So I really appreciated that whole process. And the ongoing support has been amazing. Um, I mostly do chats. Um, it's great because I do them when I'm available to do them. And it's just been amazing the variation of people that you're able to help as, and, and at times even, um, as I'm dealing with my own recovery from religion um you know there'll be a chat about something that just resonates with me and and i go away going wow not only did i get to help someone but that helped me as well by reminding me that that yes you know uh extreme religion can really squash who you are as a person
0: let's let's be honest i've been hosting this show for almost 15 years it's kind of my therapy I, i i get stuff out of these conversations as well
2: yes Yeah. Well, you know, it's amazing. I had a chat just recently and she was talking about how she struggled with finding her identity as a woman after the teaching that she had been through. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I find I struggle with as well. And I was talking to my aunt who's in her seventies and she's still struggling with that. And we just had this great conversation about how what people don't always understand is in your very extreme religious beliefs, you are not a person. Your identity is completely submerged, especially if you're a woman your entire focus is to support your husband to support Christ to care for your children and it becomes very hard to figure out what what do I want what do yeah. I want to do um and and I will say I was never spanked for masturbating or anything like that <laughs> I was instead shamed so much that I was in my late 40s wait wait 40s women masturbate too
0: Oh my gosh,
3: I'm learning something new every day for the benefit of our callers.
0: Yes. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt that. And,
3: and Gwen knows no, what she's great. talking about. She was a minister's wife. She hasn't mentioned that yes. one. Oh, wow. Uh, yes,
2: yes. I was a Southern Baptist preacher's wife, and I I taught the purity class for the teenagers. Whoa. And, uh, yes, yeah. We handed out bars of ivory soap to invite them to talk about how they can have a pure life. Um yeah, I have a lot to make up for. <laughs>
0: um. that's, the, that's the other reason I'm doing this. It's kind of, I, I, yeah, I was Baptist, and so there's no real concept of, of penance in the same way. That, but this is penance for yeah. me, and thank you for doing yours. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly, exactly. So. And, you know, and it's little things, too. I mean, just the other day, I was, I was on a road trip with my dad, and he's still very, very religious and um, very disappointed in me because I'm not. And I'm driving down this country road and just feeling this joy as we're seeing the mountains and the trees, and I'm having this great time with my dad. And and I just have this thought, I'm like, I I just wish my parents could understand how free and happy I am now that I don't have all this baggage of religion. And the immediate thought was that their first comment, if I were to say that, would be, she's not going to think it was worth it when she's burning in hell for all eternity. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it just brought a downer to that moment. And, you know, and so I I am signed out for the weekend in September. I cannot wait to get there. It's going to be amazing. And uh, because there's just, you just keep discovering things that you didn't even realize were there that come from that training, especially when you've grown up in it your entire life.
3: Right. And you mentioned fear of hell. That is probably the underlying uh, foundation for religious trauma syndrome so many children have been terrorized by their parents and by the religion you're going to hell because you know you didn't learn your bible or lesson. it's not just spanking it's the brow beating the children get by extreme especially extremely extreme religious people so, there's another uh, aspect of, of the threat of hell now now i've i've said
0: many times that I never really felt that. I knew it was there, but, you know, I walked down the aisle at the age of five at a revival. So I was saved. And so there was kind of just, it was kind of there on the back burner as, but I'm not going to have to deal with that. And it may be that I was a terrible child who, you know, wasn't properly realizing how this impacted other people. Or it may just be that I was surrounded by nothing but church people. Almost all my friends were of the church. But I've heard from people who indoctrinated with that concept of hell suffered for years not because of a fear that they would go to hell but a fear that their friends would go to hell yeah right um so just telling getting somebody to buy into this particular narrative and now you need to be saved and and it gave kids like me the notion of oh well now you don't have to be afraid of hell anymore and i was just like okay well then i don't have to be afraid of hell and i just kept on going and other people immediately recognized hang on a minute my best friend's going to go to hell because they're Jewish or they're pagan or they're Hindu or whatever else. Uh, that, that can't be overlooked. Y- right, you, you, right. as a parent might think that you, you know, I, I'm not mad at my parents or the preachers because they were honestly trying to do their best with best, what they knew yeah. and understood, but they're still doing harm. <laughs> the road mm-hmm. to hell is paved with be- bed good with good intentions, uh, especially, uh, the, f- the fear of hell. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I, one of
2: the most painful moments I have remembering is when I had showed a Billy Graham video to my kids and my seven-year-old daughter woke up with nightmares because her friends were going to hell and I could not console her. And um, thankfully, she's she's not an atheist. She's an atheist now. Um, uh, Although when I told her I was an atheist, she was just like, now you couldn't have figured this out when I was a kid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. It's funny that a Billy Graham video did that because It's not like Billy Graham was largely a fire and brimstone hellfire. As a matter of fact, my understanding is that at least later in his life, uh, he didn't believe in literal hell, that he was an advocate for annihilation theory. Yeah, I don't know. And and when somebody as, I don't know, milk toast, I I guess.
2: yeah, well, I think that's what goes to what you were saying earlier, Matt, is that for a lot of people, even in Southern Baptist churches where I was in, um, they may never have that level, but when a family takes it to an intense level, even something as milk toast as a Billy Graham video that's all about the positive side, they have so indoctrinated their family and their lives that they clearly see that the opposite side of this is hell for the people that are in their lives. Yeah. And so, you know, even if you, and if you did, if you made it through and you didn't have some of this trauma, I, I'm happy for you. Yeah. But there, there is an element in many of even your mainline churches that there's just an intense trauma that comes from a very intense application of the teaching.
3: Right. Yeah. Thanks for calling in, Gwen. I appreciate you giving us your perspective. And and aren't you happy that you don't
0: have to sit through another Lottie Moon offering service?
4: Yes. Oh, my goodness.
2: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was a storyteller. I told the Lottie Moon stories to get everybody to give. That was my job. So <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that in forever.
1: You I guys know. are
0: sharing some secret language. In <laughs> and, and we're not yes. going to explain it. You guys can go Google Lottie Moon.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: Well, Thank, I hope. Thanks a bunch, Gwen. We really appreciate what you're doing, uh, and I'm glad, especially that you you took a chance, even when you thought, well, maybe, maybe this is too early for me, uh, because you're really you shined a really good light on the fact that not only is this something that benefits other people, but it can benefit benefit the people involved. Right.
3: Our training will help anybody. I'm convinced. Absolutely. Of that. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for your yeah. time and, and keep uh, keep volunteering. And if, if you or Daryl or somebody else want to reach reach out back to us again to to promote this or talk about something interesting that's going on, by all means, give us a call. Okay.
3: Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Gwen. Bye-bye. So can I uh, yes. let people know where to find us? Oh, uh, yes. Recoverfromreligion.org. If you want to call into our chat line or... Call in or chat in, you can, and just hit the chat button. If you want to come to the excursion, just go to the You hit the rec- uh, excursion button, and all the details are there. Thanks, Thanks for letting me talk about it here.
0: Yeah, yeah. and for people who maybe... I don't know. I don't know if self-diagnosis or if you're convinced that you are suffering from PTSD or religious trauma or something along those lines, what kind of things, and I I don't mean to put you on the spot, but what kind of things might they be looking for in their life to let them know that, yeah, maybe this is an issue that I should address?
3: Well, it's a, when you're, when you are religious, you may be, for example, depressed. You may be suffering from a PTSD related to the religion and not even know it because you're surrounded by, you're surrounded by it. Once you leave or Even when you start thinking about leaving, the full weight of that comes back down on you. And oftentimes, whether we call it religious trauma or not, I'm not going to sit here and diagnose trauma. Right. But I will say depression is a very common thing to happen to people when they leave. They're oftentimes depressed while they're still in religion and they may be doing self-destructive things while they're in religion – and I won't go into details. You can guess what some of those would be. Alcohol would be one. But once you leave, you go into depression and you don't know what to do because you've lost your family. You've lost your community. You lost your sense of being. You don't know what meaning's about. I mean, all these things happen at the same time. So hopefully you, you'll recognize this in yourself. It can be, I can't sleep anymore. I'm having dreams, recurring dreams about hell all the time. Uh, or uh, OCD. You know, I can't focus. I'm constantly being distracted and I didn't used to. Any of those things might be, might be symptoms of religious trauma, but again, don't self-diagnose. That's nobody yeah. should. Even a psychologist should not self-diagnose. I don't self-diagnose myself. Well, yeah, I do. I'm perfect, so there. I don't have to worry about that.
0: <laughs> I, I can vouch for Daryl's perfection.
3: <laughs> and and if you do need help, go to the Secular Therapy Project. Yeah, go to seculartherapy.org dot org and find a therapist to help you. Don't try to self-medicate. Drugs aren't a good way to do it, non-prescription. Alcohol is not a good way to do it. Find somebody to, to help you through it, and you'll be so much so much better. So
0: we'll, we'll get the links added to the show and everything else, but it's recoveringfromreligion.org, seculartherapy.org, and the hotline number is? 184-I-Doubt-IT. Yeah, and for those who aren't aware, maybe you're not a skeptic, maybe you've never looked it up, doubt is D-O-U-B-T. <laughs> uh, because I can imagine how some people might try to spell that. And who knows what hotline you'll get there. (laughs) All right. We want to move on to some calls. All right. All right. Let's see what we can do. And actually, we're going to start continuing the theme. We've got Michelle in California who's calling in uh, with a question for you. Okay. Michelle, thanks for calling. What can I help you
3: with?
4: Uh, hey, Dr. Ray. Um, I talked to you about four or five years ago. Wow. Um, I used to accept patients through the Secular Therapist Project uh-huh. uh, when I lived in East Tennessee in the Bible Belt.
0: Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. How, how far East Tennessee? Yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. Johnson
3: City or Yes, It was. Yeah. Oh, Johnson Denver. City. I I love yeah. that area. Yeah. Well, I got my. You d- know, I went to Vanderbilt in Nashville, so I used to go over to that area quite a bit.
4: Yeah, it's a great place to visit, but I lived there for 15 years, wow. and I'm an, I. You know, I was raised secular, uh-huh. um, so I. It finally, you know, I don't know why it took me 15 years, but now I live in California. Um, I've lived here for about four years. Um, well, you know, now
0: I mean, now you're been a been proper secularist. Secular-
4: <laughs> Right, many, many years. I'm now the medical director. I'm a psychiatrist. I'm the medical director uh, of of a county here in um, Northern California. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering about, uh, is there a way to accept these patients? Um, well, ironically, uh, without a church-state violation. Um, and if you have any ideas about that... Um, you know working with government entities um,
3: i'm not sure i'm not sure what you're saying or what you're asking so one one of the things well
4: okay we we have like uh lgbt outreach immigrant out, outreach uh-huh. um you know we we reach out to like the muslim community religious minority outreach um but we don't have any um non religious outreach um,
3: oh i see okay
4: yeah so
3: um, well, it's actually I'm
4: not a therapist, I'm a psychiatrist, but Well, I'm not a lawyer. Um, I, I
0: But I can't yeah. imagine how there could possibly be a church state separation mm-hmm. issue with a secular government allowing secular therapists uh to take on clients.
5: Yeah. Maybe.
0: Oh, um, people can throw what? their little hissy fits all they want, but I'm talking, to, as a matter of fact, if any of my lawyer friends are listening, uh, like, oh, I don't know, Jeff, are you there? <laughs> uh, uh, Andrew, somebody, uh, they might have more information. But actually, if you're actually worried about the legal aspects of it, uh, I'd recommend you can either contact like uh, American Atheist Legal
3: Team, Free for Religion Foundation, okay. um, yeah. one of those, because neither one of us are going to. Uh, but you're working for law. a you're working for a government entity, and you're saying, "Can we right, can we account specifically account have, have an outreach?" Account
4: of account.
3: Right. right. I really don't see a problem okay. with that. Um, if you were having a specific okay. outreach for Baptists, that might be a problem. But, but you know, secular, right. is secular. I don't think that's an issue. But but I I would okay. ask. It's it's not like secular
0: is yet another religion or even opposition to religion. Right. It's yeah. just the the absence of religion. Right. Right. Yeah.
4: Right. And then um, what would that look like? I mean, how would, um, say, a county uh, go about, you know, um, referring or getting referrals from the Secular Therapist Project?
3: Well, you'd have to get specific people who are licensed uh, to apply for the Secular Therapy Project. And once they're licensed and once, I mean, once they're in our database, they've been vetted then they they will specifically be able to accept referrals from us. In fact, their name, it'll come directly to them. We, we wouldn't send okay. it to an agency. We'd send it more to an individual. And then, of course, they can do the bureaucracy they need to get the client through the agency. There, there we actually a, have other agencies that do that already.
0: There, there is an interesting legal question about it. And just playing armchair lawyer, and I will, in fact, consult with some later. Let's imagine that you are putting together a service for your local community that would connect patients with potential therapists. I don't see okay. a necessary problem. I don't see a violation of of religion and government separation to say I would prefer a therapist who shares my religious views because that's not now the state saying, okay, we're going to connect you with a, a Baptist if you're a Catholic or a Catholic if you're a Baptist. It's just the state right. saying what kind of therapist would you prefer? And if somebody actually has a preference for a Methodist-based therapist— um, I feel that they should have every right to do that, and I don't think it's necessarily a violation for the government to say, uh, hey, we're gonna recommend these people. It'd, it'd be just like checkboxes. It's different if the government is saying, we are gonna set up a, 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 a therapy project, oh. and we are gonna push everybody towards Scientologists. Uh, yeah, Why? that, that'd be a mistake.
3: I, I could see Why? somebody Somebody calling your agency and say, "I think I'm potentially a victim of religious trauma syndrome. I'd like a I'd like a therapist that could help me with that." And of course, that's not going to be a religious therapist. But I don't right. know.
4: I, and actually, I, I've I've had patients, mostly schizophrenic patients, uh, who yeah. are religious, yeah, and they've had their pastors tell them, "You don't need all these medications." Right? And yeah. Yeah, they actually do. They need
3: them bad. Um, You're right.
4: Yeah, we, we see
3: that way too often that's ministers gonna, undermining yeah, the psychiatrists you just need yeah. to get right with god
4: <laughs> yeah and the patient comes and says um you know my pastor tells me you know i don't need these meds and and 99.9 uh, percent of these patients say uh i gotta find another church good so I'm like you no know, that's the right answer <laughs> that's the right answer not that but
3: Well, Michelle, have your staff, any of your sector staff, or tell them it's available and we'll, we do the vetting. You know, you can send anybody you want to us, but we will accept them or reject them based upon what they show us.
0: That, that's actually, okay. I, I mean, I know that what you're describing happens, but I find it really annoying because there are counselors, therapists, counselors, therapists, it psychologists, psychotherapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, and not all of them are able to prescribe meds. So why the fuck is a preacher who doesn't have any, yeah, any of the I, medical I, training to, know, to, to tell you
3: what prescription you should have? Yeah. That's just weird. Dude,
4: you're, you're totally preaching to the choir here. Um, yeah. It, that's how it, you get, get them to sing. <laughs>
3: Are you you a member of the uh, psychotherapy project now, Michelle?
4: Um, you know this was like five years ago. Oh, okay. uh, a couple of years before I left Tennessee. I'm not sure. I, okay. I would I would be completely on board with um, you know, continuing that. Okay. Um, and they could you know continue to see me um at the um the county. I, right, I would right. be 100 uh, well, percent on board. If we
3: didn't kick you out, then you're still in there. So, you're probably still uh, well, in there.
4: I, I should be. <laughs> I'm, 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 you know.
3: Just change uh, your address and contact stuff.
4: Secular. Yep. Okay. Um, seculartherapist.org.
3: Yeah. You secular have to go okay. Seculartherapy.org. Okay. Sectortherapy.org. And, and make sure you're still in there. If you can't find yourself or you forgot your password or something, you can reset uh, it or you know. can call me and I can help find you. Or you can call Dr. Caleb Black, who's our director for that program. Thanks for calling in, though. Good question.
0: Uh, yeah. Thank you, Michelle. We really appreciate it.
4: Okay, great. Thank you so much. Ah, bye
0: bye. All right. So we we could keep going on this theme, but I think I, I we need to have a discussion about some gods. Oh that's definitely. Then, Which god are we back. gonna talk about? I don't know. I'm I'm gonna guess oh let's go with a Trinitarian one. Okay. So Rob and Georgia, you're on with Matt and Daryl Ray, and you think the Trinity is crystal clear and not confusing. Uh
1: yes. Can you hear me? We can. Okay. Um yeah, calling about the Trinity and the clergy project. As far as the Trinity, as I understand it, uh, I think I'm in a similar position to you, Matt, religious religion-wise. I was studying to be a preacher. I've actually been a wandering preacher for most of my adult life. I'm neuroatypical, um, which has to do with the clergy project. But as far as the um, Trinity, I understand God as maximally powerful. I understand Yeshua as a limited form of God. Um, it seems there are certain things one can't do if they're all-powerful, and to do those things, they would need to limit themselves and kind of separate out their consciousness. And I understand the Holy Spirit as um, actions of God that affect humanity or the universe.
0: So so here's the thing. The, the Trinity... The, the, the Trinity, which was essentially invented in three twenty five CE. Exactly.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, is the notion that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are both simultaneously independent and one. And that's just a logical contradiction. So when you talk about understanding the Holy Spirit as the works of God, well, I do works. So if you were to look at the works that I do, you would have no justification for claiming that those works are an independent an independent agent that is both co-equal with me and independent from me. That's where the confusion comes in.
1: Um, So this is kind of a silly example. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess uh, there was an anime I watched when I was little that it seems most people my age watched, uh, Dragon Ball, uh, Dragon Ball Z, and one of the characters, Piccolo, would occasionally divide his body into two. Um, his power became limited. It was never more than how strong he was when he was together. But there were certain times when separating himself and weakening himself was beneficial. When he was separated, um, there wasn't conscious awareness of what the other part of him was experiencing. And I think the only real difference I see with El Aliyahweh is that um, El would... Be consciously aware of all of the experience. Yeshua would be aware of its experience and the Holy Spirit, which I actually don't understand, but I just view as separated in a similar way. Um, I have no idea what level of awareness it would have.
0: Yeah. While I wasn't like a Dragon Ball Z fan, uh, first of all, what you're describing is sometimes the two are one and sometimes the two are independent. And that's not yeah. the same as what the the doctrine is regarding the trinity on the other hand i think that if we are going to anime cartoons and fictions to try to come up with an explanation why aren't we just like citing the wonder twins uh the fact the fact that we can create a cartoon of something uh and and make it make sense at least in a limited sense uh doesn't mean that we have any demonstration that there's a trinitarian or triune god
1: I, I agree with that. Even if I can make it make sense to myself, that doesn't mean it makes sense in a physical, materialistic way. So I guess I just have a belief in...
0: I, I think it doesn't... Something. For the specific definition, I think it's, it doesn't matter whether it's material or materialistic or physical. Even just as an abstract concept, it violates the laws of logic, the laws of identity. And, and so this notion that there are three agents that are actually always one agent and always three independent agents that sets up a logical contradiction uh and and I you know as as I pointed out I mean this concept did not exist um and actually the the primary verse that people have, have cited for the trinity um is generally viewed as as a late century or maybe second, third century interpolation, right. where where the, where the, it's called the joining comma, and so there's a uh, a passage there that in the oldest and best manuscripts has um, one line, which in later manuscripts has two lines, which is where they added, and and these three are one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit type mm-hmm. thing. At the end of the day, though, it's kind of for me, yeah, okay, the concept doesn't make sense, and I find it absurd, but that's not really the measure. Because let's say you could come up with a way to say, ah, here's how the Trinity makes sense. I remember as a Southern Baptist having it described as how one man could be both a father, a son, and a brother. But that's still just one person. It's not three people. But they would use examples like that. And then they would go to even more abstract things of, well, everything comes in threes. You need three legs on a stool for it to stand. (laughs) And if you look, if you look like here, my finger is divided into three separate portions, and then there's uh, my finger, my hand, and my wrist, and then there's my hand, my upper arm, or my lower <laughs> arm, and my upper arm, then there's my head, my torso, and my legs. Look, threes are everywhere, and the thing is, you can do that with pretty much any number. Hey, look, twos are everywhere. I have two eyes, two nostrils, two ears. I have a right side and a left side. Maybe God is a binary God. <laughs> the, big, the big thing is, even if you could make sense of it, that doesn't mean that it's in any way real, which is the part that I care about. It's well, just a lot easier I, to not believe it's real as long as the shit doesn't
3: make sense. And I, I think it's I, absolutely relevant that it literally wasn't doctrine for 300 years. Yeah. 300 years.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's pretty. That does pretty, make sense. And it's a Catholic doctrine primarily. And the Protestants just kind of kept going with it. But it's it's very originally ca- within the Catholic well, Every, everything proto- was originally the case. Right, right. That's, well, not quite. No, there's there's other things like their Arianism that had some, you know, there's some other traditions the, that probably bleached into mostly it. Mostly kind of
0: vanished. But, yeah, right. But yeah. Anyway, Rob, I appreciate the call. Hopefully that, yeah. they, I, I appreciate you trying to clear the Trinity up, but even if you could, I, that alone wouldn't convince us that there's a God, and I don't think we actually cleared the well, Trinity up. <laughs>
1: Okay, that's fair. Um, I wanted to say real quick before it gets to the end of the call. Mm-hmm. I actually think I do desire to let go of my religious experience, except they are so seemingly real. For instance, when I talk about at L, I get quite a feeling of presence. I'm actually shaking somewhat now, and I feel as if that is from fear of a presence. And I also understand that intimidation is no way for a loving God to. Guide its people, so I can accept the idea that that's my internal fears, and also being religious is how I how I justify an aspect of how I was born. Well, and uh,
0: have you watched, have, Are are you a big movie fan at all, Rob? Have you have you seen a bunch of movies in your life?
1: No, not really.
0: Okay, um, so the the religious experience that you're talking about. Um, I had similar experiences when I was in the church. I'd feel, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit when we'd sing and stuff, goosebumps and a feeling of elation and euphoria. And of course, I found that I would have those experiences in other ways, from secular music, from art, from, uh, drugs, from sex, et cetera. There are, I've, I've been in love with people to the point where if I think about them, I just feel good. Like I'm in a pretty good mood today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> the the I'm sorry. Now, now I can't think of it's rated about anything. But like I also have seen movies, both fantasy narratives where there's a good guy and a bad guy, and I've been viscerally angry at the bad guy and what that person did, despite the fact that I know that this right. is just a character being played in a fiction. And I've watched horror movies where uh, it's a, a, about demons, you know, demon possession and stuff like that. And I have felt eerie and spooked and whatever else, despite the fact that I have no reason to think any of that is true or real. And I wonder um, if the experiences that you and I have had, and yours are going to be different from mine, uh, that, mm-hmm. that give us these feelings, the fact that we feel something doesn't mean that the, the item that we're focused on is in any way real. it's that is all about who we are and what we've been trained to be afraid of what we've what we've come to learn to love or respect or admire or you know feel happy about and just remember
1: I, um the the guest host today I didn't know who was hosting at all when I called in, but mm-hmm. as it's about um religious sexuality and um that type of thing i um uh, what's his name? I'm sorry,
0: Daryl Ray. Daryl Ray. Daryl Ray. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's perfect.
1: (laughs) When I was little, when I was growing up, I noticed some things about me. Um, One of them that I was pacifist, that I was pacifistic. The other that I wanted to try to never lie. But also that um, the last time I had um, appropriate attractions was ninth grade. And upon entering 10th grade, which was when high school started, I found I wasn't attractive, <laughs> so I thought that God was calling me to the ministry. He gave me a sexuality that sorry no, okay. right, he gave me a sexuality that wasn't acceptable because he didn't want me to get married. He made me a pacifist, so I would be a good and faithful servant. and I'm not referring to it directly, even though it's obvious, because it's not what people think. It's I have been in love three times in my life, two times in my adult life, and like an old couple growing up together, once I love somebody, that age limit doesn't apply anymore. I a 10-year off-and-on relationship just ended. I'm not Catholic or something like that. I'm Protestant, so I did plan to get married at some point. And because I was young, she's within a year of my age. We're both about 30 now. I've had this relationship for 11 or 12 years now. And last year, she came out as asexual. And even because I love her, and there's only one other person I will be attracted to them for the rest of my life in the same way a husband is attracted to a wife. But there isn't anyone my age I'm attracted to. And if I'm not going to be a preacher, I'm scared. I've been, I've been a wandering preacher because I'm neurologically atypical. I don't want to say how because I don't want people to associate sure. that with my sexuality. Um uh, because they have it hard enough, they don't need people thinking they're that. And I'm—I I do have a job now. It's at a fast food place, but I'm getting garnished from my attempt at college, so I'm only making six fifty an hour. So I'm still homeless, and I don't want to die in my car alone or live a very long life completely alone, needing to pretend to everyone I'm asexual when I'm actually pedophilic.
0: So. I, I appreciate you sharing all that, Rob. And, and it's definitely a lot to take in. And I, I'm not in any way qualified. I would definitely suggest that you reach out to seculartherapy.org, but let me, let me take a stab at a couple of things real quick. One, all of the things that you've experienced about who you are, you have done it all in the context of religion that when you find out you're not The way you thought you should be. It's because God did this to you. God made you a pacifist so you would, you would be a good and faithful servant. But maybe you're a pacifist because that's your nature and you are fundamentally avoiding conflicts and it has nothing to do with a God. When it comes to things like sexual attraction, one of the things that I've been repeatedly kind of hammering home, we even talked about it on this, on uh, secular sexuality on Thursday, is that You are not responsible for what you are attracted to. You're only responsible for the actions you take on behalf of it. So if I were attracted to men, if I were attracted to women, if I were attracted to people of certain age group, if I were attracted to blondes, if I were attracted to a telephone booth because there are people who are objectophiles, that's about what my brain is telling me is uh, stimulating that is independent from the actions that we take. And I really, I, I, I've been trying to encourage people to stop using the pedophile label as a pejorative because there are countless people who have attraction to people. Uh, inappropriate attractions to people who are underage who can't consent and they never act on it because mm-hmm. they, they have another part of their brain that says, no, that's wrong. And I'm not going to do that. Right. And the same people that there are psychopaths that manage to not run around killing each, anybody. And some of them have had debates. I really, I, this is difficult because you're in dire straits. You're living in your car. You're, you're barely making enough to survive. And it's clear that you need help. Is there, do you have a community there that you can reach out to, friends and family? Even a, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to say don't go to the church, but if you're in a position where you absolutely need help, you've got to find a community in your local area that might be able to to give you an advantage in, in being able to to work towards recovery.
1: Well, Podunk, Georgia is pretty hard. Literally, the reason I needed to leave school is because someone told. I don't know how, but someone told and I'm not willing to lie and my advisor ended up telling my instructors I didn't deserve to pass and the girl I was going to marry, um, she found out because I wasn't willing to lie to her and that ended what would have been a lifetime relationship and it's (sighs) it's i there isn't a community here for someone like me um a a homeless autistic pedophilic atheistic um person who takes three times as long to do most anything as anyone else if it involves a piece of paper
3: um, Rob, Rob I, I
1: haven't yeah
3: could i could I ask um My, my, we, we aren't here to do therapy. We can't do that. But what I will say is... Yes, I
1: understand. But I will say... It's time to...
3: No, no, what, I'm not, I'm not blowing you off. I'm trying to say there, every county, practically every county in the United States has got a community mental health center. Have you gone to the community mental health center and asked for help? Is it free? It would be free for you. Yes.
1: No, I didn't even know that existed.
3: Okay, look it up or or uh, call one of the community, one of the mental health agencies in the state and they'll direct you to the one closest to you. You've probably got a mental community mental health center within 30 to 50 miles of your house, maybe even closer. It could be around the corner. I don't know. I don't know where you live. Exactly. Community mental health. My car. Yeah. Yeah. Your car. (laughs) Yeah. It literally could. So find the community mental health center, go into their offices talk to them a bit and they'll do an intake on you and they'll assess what they can do for you. Okay. That's, that's probably, okay. the, that's that's probably the first thing I would uh, ask you to do. And, and the, and the other thing that we, I think we'd both recommend, I don't want to, I don't want to saddle
0: the, the RFR uh, chat people with more than they might be equipped for, but just the process of talking to people, like right. in, in this call you were open and honest and you broke down and I think Almost everybody, I can't imagine that there's too many people who didn't feel that and weren't moved by what you said. Um, but those sorts of conversations, you're going to need to have a lot of them. And one place to start, if you have no other community, uh, or even if you do, is recoveringforreligion.org. Right. There's a, there's an option there to chat. Um, definitely v- visit your community mental health center. Um, and, you know while while we don't necessarily you you may not be in a position and we're not saying, "Hey, call in and give us updates frequently, at least touch your base <laughs> back with us and let us know how how things are going how did the how did the community mental health center work out for you um because I'd like to know that your life is getting better. Uh, nobody wants to see anybody uh, suffering in the way that you
3: are clearly suffering, right.
1: Okay. Uh, thank you for taking the
3: call. You're sure. welcome, Rob. And thank best, you, Rob. Best wishes to you. Get, get the help you need. Wow. That was intense. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's he's, rough. He's really going through a lot right now. And it's, it's,
0: you know, he touched on a ton of issues that both you and I have talked about just this week on yeah. a couple of other shows. Yeah, right. And it, it's a point of frustration because I knew somebody... Perhaps not identical to Rob, but I knew somebody who um, was a pedophile, was was attracted to children, and it drove them mad because the other part of their brain was like, There's, there has to be something wrong with me. They never, ever acted upon it because right. there was like a check valve in their brain, and yet they can't talk to anybody. They've mm-hmm. literally done nothing wrong. Right. Now, others have. And it's because others have that this is kind of stigmatized, but it's such a hot button topic that they can't even get help. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm back to the, let's provide healthcare and, and, and especially mental health care to everybody on the fucking planet. Yeah. Uh, and let's stop beating people up for the fact that their brain does some weird shit. Yeah.
3: And there's more than just that. There's so many things we think about and that could be crimes. I mean, every human being probably has thought about murdering their boss. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm using my boss a, <laughs>
0: is an asshole who has no business running a business. But I'm but my we've own all, boss. We've
3: all done that. And yet we condemn only certain pieces. I think we all should realize there's parts of our brain that could be bad, could be evil, right. could be harmful. And and it's a wonder, it's wonderful that we've got other parts of our brain that help hold that in check. And Rob sounds like he's doing a good job of holding it in check, but he needs help with with keeping it there.
0: Yeah. And by the way, that, that goes for other people as well. This, I mean, Daryl gave an excellent uh, uh, tip to go seek out your community mental health center. If you find out there's not one, um, I I would say that maybe it's time to go talk to the. City council, uh, <laughs> something along those lines to say that, hey, we're, we're, we're failing to help the people who are most in, in right, need.
3: Right.
0: I know that's become the trend lately that nobody seems to want to recognize that we're failing to help people in need, uh, because we're focused on 50,000 other things. And maybe it's because we've got kids locked up in cages or maybe it's because there are just, just general jackassery. Uh, oh, wait. Like, all right. You don't have to pay for that one. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> I know at some point, either on this show or or another show, we're going to end up talking about morality. It's unavoidable. uh, And what I find is that, so atheism is not a religion. It's not a system. It doesn't have any tenets, any dogmas. It is a single position on a single issue. Are you convinced there's a God? If so, then you're a theist. If you're not convinced, then you're an atheist. Uh, Sorry, Steve. Uh, But the, yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, the, The thing is, There are models of how to get along. Secular humanism is... The model that I've advocated for the most, I mean, I'm a skeptic, I'm a humanist, and I'm an atheist. And of those, I would say that the, the, the skeptic part is the most important because it's the one that informs the other. And the humanist part is actually the second most important. Right. right. Whether or not I believe in God, well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, if we have a model that encourages people to uh, be compassionate, to work towards creating a better world, to realize that as far as we can tell, there's not a, a God that's going to intervene on our behalf, and so we've got to get dirty, get our hands dirty, and, and do the work ourselves. Uh, because if we sit around on, you know, praying for the world to change. Uh, well, that's why we have people who are constantly uh, victims of of uh, mass shootings, because when we're done with a mass shooting, we send out thoughts and prayers, and then we go right back to business. Yeah, right. And it, th- there are ways to do better. Um, it's one of the, you know, none of us are perfect. I don't care what Daryl says. He's not, <laughs> not actually perfect. Pretty close. And he gave some really good advice there. Uh, but building a better world is the goal of, yeah secular humanism. I would also say it's the goal of most religious ideologies. It's just that what their perception of a better world is, is fundamentally different from ours. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on that note, we'll, we'll see uh, Amber in California. You're on with Dr. Daryl Ray.
6: Hey! Um, thank you for having me on the show. I wanted to talk about um, religious trauma uh, that I had in mm-hmm. for my childhood. Yeah. And uh, I... Did not know that that was already being discussed today. So
0: <laughs> it's like God wanted you to tune in to this show.
6: <laughs> oh my God, no! <laughs> no. Um, but I, um, my parents were fundamentalist Christian. That kind of have a messianic twist to them, even though they're like not Jewish at all. Um, kind of a weird thing. But we were all homeschooled. I'm the oldest of four. And, uh, yeah, we were all homeschooled and shamed and the, the whole the whole nine yards, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, we have you know, three girls, one guy. Um, the guy where my brother is considered, you know, to have more. Uh, he's allowed a lot more. He's allowed to have friends um we aren't allowed or like at least i wasn't allowed to have any friends um i can i couldn't have any outside influences even christian friends because they're not real christians
0: ah, according right.
6: to my mother
0: so now we're we're um, we're rapidly approaching into cult like
3: behavior yeah it sounds like it. how with, old are, how this, old are you amber
6: I, oh i'm 21
3: okay and how and you're out of the house now
6: i'm i left one day and i didn't come back
3: okay and you're financially um, um on your own
6: uh yeah I, uh, when I left to go live with my grandmother one day, my parents took all the money out of my account, so they literally left me with nothing. I, oh. I, uh, got a voicemail from my dad saying that, you know, I was a credit or a, uh, I could harm his credit because of my erratic behavior, and that's why he shut down my account, took all my money out of it, and, uh... He didn't want to speak with me as far as religious things go because, you know, he'd rather see me out on the street, as he put it, so... Wow. Then him be wrong.
3: Well, feel then, the love. Yeah, that's pretty tough to go through, Amber. I'm sorry to hear that.
6: Well, I mean, it was it was a long time coming, honestly. Um, my They won't let my sister go to college to be an orthopedic surgeon. They want her to go be a nurse, huh. so... Yeah, no, she's, she's 16 and ready
3: to go to college already. Wow, she's a. I'm
6: gonna
0: girl. I'm gonna say something, um, which I suspect won't bother you that much, but fuck them.
6: Oh yeah, yeah, Oh,
0: I'd like to be an orthopedic <laughs> surgeon. No, I'm sorry, honey. You have a vagina. You must be a nurse. As if if this a, if that's remotely relevant.
6: Yeah, um. yeah. Well, um, I left. The main thing why I left. I was 18 and I started to meet this guy and he wasn't, he wasn't Christian at the time, but I was, I was dating this guy and I didn't tell my parents about it because I knew that they would, you know, have a lot of problems with it. And they eventually found out and they said that my grandmother who had always told me to follow my own, you know, my, my own way was, she poisoned my head, you know, And uh, I had to ask my dad for permission to start dating. And they made me break up with him. So, you know, I could either, you know, stay in the house or and break up with him. Or I could, uh, you know, be on my own. So I broke up with him. And they immediately went on to Christian Mingle and signed me up on that account, <laughs> And <laughs> we started picking somebody for me
2: to date. Oh, my gosh. After that.
6: Yeah, after about three days of this, I decided not to come home anymore. And I just left uh, after my shift. I just left with uh, my boyfriend and who became later my husband. Yay. after After a uh, while. Yeah, <laughs> happily married. Um, he at this time where my my boyfriend, now husband, had decided to like become Christian as I was. And I decided to keep my faith for a while, eventually lost it. Now I'm a Satanist.
5: Um,
3: <laughs> Hooray! Good. But, yeah. I, I my, just, my, so, what is yeah. your current? What is your current emotional situation? How do you? How are you dealing with your family, your parents, your husband?
6: It, it's hard sometimes because you know I was homeschooled. I wasn't allowed to have friends. Um, You know, my mother was very, very controlling. Uh She, at one point, didn't allow me outside because, you know, the guy next door liked me. And she thought I would immediately, you know, whore myself out as she put it and climb over the fence, get myself pregnant. So, yeah.
3: So you are dealing with uh, probably, and let me just guess, you're probably dealing with um, some revelations about how the world really works and some of the knowledge you missed by being homeschooled. Is that correct?
6: Yeah, there's just a giant hole where, like, a childhood should be. <laughs> yeah, right. Most of my is cleaning, So, <laughs>
3: wow. um, well, I'm I'm just concerned about where you are emotionally, how you're dealing with it. Uh, you sound like you, do you have a good supportive husband.
6: Yes,
3: is he supportive yeah. of your your Satanist uh, worldview?
6: Uh, yes, he's atheist himself now. And uh, he he's not quite Satanist, but, you know, we're, it's, it's pretty much all in the same boat. boat well, as, there you as go. As
3: I love the Satanists. Some some of my best friends are Satanists. <laughs> some of the best <laughs>
0: advocates yeah. for church-state separation <laughs> are Satanists. I have a little
6: cards that I got laminated. I got an official temple of Satan card that well, I can just pull out and whip out at any time. There but, you go. Yeah, it has been, it's been super hard. Um, I didn't know how to deal with people at all or talk to people or carry on a conversation or, you know, look people in the eye, you know, and my parents would be very upset with me because, you know, I, I, I'd be ostracized by my coworkers because it was very weird um, and they'd be upset with me for not being a normal human when they raised me to be as isolated as possible.
3: Right. Okay. So you're, you're, you are currently still struggling, um, I'm guessing, with social skills in, in certain social situations. Yeah. Okay.
6: I mean, obviously I've gotten way better at it, but my, when somebody's mad at me, my initial reaction is to think it's all my fault and uh, then be okay. very depressed.
3: So you yeah, you've you know. been you can see the programming that women are secondary to men and and Yeah. Yeah, okay. But you're recognizing that and it sounds like you're dealing with it. Uh do you have
5: I've a it. Yeah. Go ahead.
3: Good. Well, I would just say uh sounds like you've got you you've got work to do but you recognize you've got work to do. And that's that's yeah. like 80% of the battle because you can't even start working on yourself until you recognize here's the holes oh, yeah. in my, here's my education holes in my family background. And, um, yeah. and I, I hope I'm you gonna... find a way to, to move on, uh, let your parents go, you know, don't dwell on how, how they raised you because they can't do anything about that. Look in the future. Is there anything you're doing yeah. specifically like joining social groups or, or, a, another women's group, or, um, you know, something that's going to get you in touch with people who've got the skills you want to learn.
6: No, not exactly. I mean, I very much should. I still keep a contact with my parents because they won't let me be near my siblings by, by themselves because, you know, worldly influences. Right,
5: right.
1: I don't know.
6: But they, they very much need me, and they're of the mind that none of their kids could possibly ever have, like, mental issues or ADD or anything. Ah. Or, <laughs> yeah. So
3: Your I parents' delusions run deep. <laughs>
6: They
3: do. <laughs> but it sounds like you're, you're concerned with your siblings more than your parents at this point in time.
6: Honestly, my parents are a lost cause. Yeah, I mean, right, I, right. I came, out, I came out to them as bi, and they called me an abomination. So I was just okay. like, you know what, this isn't going to change. You know, they were upset that I dare mention the word bi in front of my siblings
3: ah, okay. or you know,
6: anything like that. Well, so it's, well it's, welcome it's to bad. the
3: rest of us abominations. I'll I'll join the club, and you can join the club but two little
0: letters to terrify parents I'm by That's for good
3: let me just say good for you that you are concerned about your siblings and i i want to say that's a good thing uh, they probably could use your help and not all of them will accept your help eventually but as long as you keep a little spot open in your life for them that's good for them however yeah. do not let your parents use your love for your siblings to manipulate you is that happening yes yeah. okay
6: um, it's been, it's been trying to happening. Like my grandmother, the end, they won't let her see the kids at all, but they keep telling the kids that she's welcome to come down to see them at any time. But uh-huh. They won't let her. So you, they, they won't give her.
3: All. Okay. Well, I, you can let them know the truth whenever you have contact with them, yeah. maybe. But the main thing is do not let your parents continue to manipulate your life at some point in time. And you're 21 at 21. You yeah. should start being your own adult. You've got your own support system and you're going to keep a little spot open for your siblings when they get old enough to leave home. You're going to be there to help them because I'm guessing you don't want them to leave with the same social deficits that you had You're and you're willing to offer yourself and your time and your emotional support to them when it's time. Is that correct?
6: 100%.
3: Good. Well, good for you, but don't let your parents manipulate you. That's the bottom line. Is it, it What it does is it perpetuates the trauma that you first, the very first thing you mentioned practically when you called in, it, it helps perpetuate that trauma. And, and you're trying to get rid of the trauma. You don't want to wait until you're 27 years old and your siblings are all out for you to start dealing with the trauma. It starts, you need to start dealing with it now. Yeah, the one thing to remember, I love the fact that, you know, you're concerned about your siblings,
0: uh, letting them know that you're not going to judge them, that you are always there for them. And if they need a place, if, you know, if they change their mind or whatever, or if they need to get out, um, you're there for them. But that means that you absolutely have to take care of yourself right. so that you can be there for them.
6: Exactly. Um, I, I agree 100%. Like my sister knows she can, you know, come over at any time, you know, stay as long as she needs. Um, but it's, it's the others. Cause every time somebody leaves, they're always saying, Oh, you know, this person's on drugs. This person, you know, is out there committing crimes. You know, this is what happens when you leave our house kind of deal. So
3: that, that's I, the I way it's cult it.
0: operates. I love that over the course of the call, their concerns, uh, in the order that you listed them, crimes was third, but <laughs> sex and drugs were number one and number two. You know, like
4: oh yeah, uh, especially for a woman.
0: <laughs> I, I'm a fan of sex and drugs, not a fan of crime.
6: <laughs> I, I am too. <laughs> um, I enjoy all of them, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's because of that it's kind of disenfranchised. So I can tell them what exactly happened, but at this point, they're believing my parents more than anything. And the, and the, I, I can't expect them to do anything else at this right.
0: point. Right. It, it makes perfect sense. Well, Amber, I appreciate the call. We've got a few more callers to get to before uh, we've thanks. used up all of Daryl's time, but uh, thank you so much for touching base with us. Yeah. Appreciate
3: thanks it. for calling in. Thank you for
0: having
6: me on. You hey. guys have a great day.
0: Yeah. You too. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm, it's, it's always nice because I had a great childhood. It's one of the reasons why I wasn't particularly mad, and I gave my parents a lot of slack on stuff, uh, I didn't have to go through what a lot of other people have gone through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I hear a story like Amber's about, you know, essentially...
3: Her, her children are city. practically in prison, and she wants to get them out of that prison. You can't yeah. blame her for that. Her siblings. Yeah. Her siblings. Yeah. I mean, her siblings, yeah.
0: But, you know, we we both know of people, um, in, in particular, I, I was reminded of uh, Tracy Lockwood's story of... Anybody seen the M. Night Shyamalan movie The Village? Yeah, when she saw that, she said it was kind of like a documentary. Um, oh, wow. She had been raised in such a closed-off environment that when she finally escaped, she had no real concept of what money was or how to buy things or earn money or do things. Huh. That's the level that some of them go to. So even when I hear a story like Amber's that is, you know, very cult-like and that right. you're not allowed to have friends and we're going to homeschool you and you're not going to do this, and, and now we're going to sign you up on Christian Mingle and find you a future <laughs> husband— Uh. I'm not sure they actually know how Christian mingle works because the (laughs) stories I've heard is that it's kind of like grinder for Christians, uh, or at least partially so.
3: There was one something, going back to uh, a caller, Rob, he used a term twice that I just want to make sure we're clear on. He called it, he said the clergy project twice. Right. And I just, sometimes people get clergy project confused with recovering from religion. Clergy Project is for clergy. If you're a clergy person thinking about leaving or wanting help, go, get, go to the Clergy Project, or you can come to us, but we're going to send you to the Clergy right. Project. We're two different entities, and we support each other a lot. Yeah, we that, work very closely together. We're definitely two different entities that aren't legally related. I wasn't sure if he was confusing the two or he if, he
0: talk, if he was talking. If he was going to make a point about the clergy project that he never really got yeah, to. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Clergy project, by the way, was uh, started by Daniel Dennett, Linda Lascola in cooperation with Dan Barker right. uh, as part of a study on clergy people who no longer believe. And right. it turned into an online forum where they can anonymously communicate. Right. Some of them are still involved in the clergy. Some of them are out now. Yeah. Uh, famously my very good friend Jerry DeWitt uh, Jerry if you're listening you can call in talk to me and Daryl uh, but uh, he was the first person in the clergy project to, to shed his anonymity and come out publicly yeah, right. and uh, wrote a book Hope After Faith uh, we've had him around here uh, it's a great project but yeah. it's it's very narrowly it's focused. Ju- it's
3: just for clergy, yeah. And we get clergy calling us, and we say, H- "Do you know about the clergy project?" We had one just the other day from, I believe, New Zealand. Said, "Wow, I didn't even know it existed." And we sent them on. You know, that's that's what. That's because you live in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm not mocking because
0: I wish I lived in New Zealand quite often. I, I, I loved the time I got to spend in New Zealand. I, I can't wait for an opportunity to come back. Hint, hint, hint to my New Zealand friends. All right, we got a couple more calls I want to get to before we're uh, done here today. David in Texas says there has to be a creator. Uh, you're on with Matt and Dr. Daryl Ray. Hello, can you
5: hear me? I can. Okay, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm David. I'm a deist. I'm not actually a deist. I used to be. Christian, mm-hmm. but then I gave up that belief, so now I just believe that there's a creator God, but I don't really believe in any makes it
0: Okay. Why, why do you believe in a creator God, and what do you know about this God? What are its properties, or what does it want? Well, <laughs>
5: okay, so why do I believe in him? Well, for instance... How,
0: how did you know it's a him?
5: Well, I don't know. I don't even know. I didn't even assign gender to it, really. Okay. I just... I do not like believe all kind of muddy at this point because I guess believe— Okay, so I believe in a creative God because the universe changes. And it's like, okay, so my idea is that, like, something can't be changing forever. There has to be a point at which it started and at which events started to happen. Okay. Because— Changing for the fact that the universe changes means there was a point at which it was one way, and then it because like I the universe develops over time, and if you go back all the way back in time, then you should get to a point where the universe just doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, but time doesn't exist at that point either under mm-hmm. the current models. But the big thing is, if we if we were to, to to go down the path that you're suggesting, which is at some point something happened. Um, that resulted in the universe that we experience. I'm fine with the notion that something happened. I'm not fine with the notion of saying, oh, it was a god, because I don't have any information about what happened. I don't know if it's a multiverse solution. I don't know if if it's just something that we can't ever figure out what the answer is. And so when somebody says to me, oh, there must have been a God that that was the creator, it's the reason why I ask questions about, well, what do you know about this God? What does it want? What's it like? What are its qualities? Because at the end of the day, what I tend to find amongst deists is that they're advocating for a, air quotes, God that they know nothing about, can know nothing about, acknowledge that they can know nothing about it, and yet they're convinced that this thing must exist. And so really it seems to me to be relabeling. There must be some explanation for the universe. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to call it God so that I'm less uncomfortable with not knowing. I
5: see, I see what you're saying. That does make, your point does make sense. Because, like, the thing is, it's just that the universe seems to have, like, be the- it seems like there's an intelligence behind
0: it. Like what makes countries. you think
5: that? Well, for one thing, we have complicated beings called humans who can think and reason.
0: Sure, but that's and- that's something that occurred through natural processes uh, over countless years. It's not like at the origin of the universe, there were humans. If we, at yeah, the, right. immediately after the expansion of the universe, if we had uh, thinking beings that seemed to pop into existence out of nowhere, well, now you might have something closer to an argument for an intelligent creator. But if what we have is okay. is the expansion of the universe with physical laws governing all the activity, and this just eventually leads. Like, if there was a God who who wanted to create humans, and his plan is... Yeah. I'll expand the universe and set in, set in place natural laws that over the course of billions of billions of years will ultimately result in thinking beings who can occupy part of one tiny planet in one solar system, which is one of millions of billions of solar systems and millions of billions of galaxies. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> that seems to be an absurd way. <laughs> To go about it, it reminds me of like a, a Rube Goldberg machine, um, and this is a la Tracy Harris talking about Wiley e. Coyote wants to catch that roadrunner, and so he straps a, a hat on his head that's got a wheel on it, balances on a tightrope that runs down over this, he's got a, a fan blowing a... a a sail and some bird seed that will explode and and has lead in it and all of this to try to catch a roadrunner And yet, of course it doesn't work, but it seems overly complicated if the goal was us. And even if that were the way that this went about, we still are in a position where we have zero evidence that any of this was intentionally designed. Even if people get the impression that it has the appearance of design, I I just released a video yesterday that talks about how the appearance of design is not design. If we knew something was designed, if we could demonstrate it was designed, we would not say it has the appearance of design. We would just say it's designed and here's the evidence. The mere recognition that we say it has the appearance of design is an admission that we should not be convinced that it's designed in much the way that when I'm on stage doing magic, I give the appearance of the supernatural. Mm-hmm. But if anybody concluded that what I was actually doing was supernatural, they have failed because it's not.
3: I would. I would. Okay. S- I think. Yeah.
5: I see what you're saying. I guess I think I think all of me is just el- thing to give up my face entirely because I'm scared of what the implications would be.
0: The implications of what? Giving up faith in God. Okay. Right. What what do you think those implications are? So because I'm somebody who no longer believes in a God and I can tell you from my life whether or not the things that you're afraid of have happened to me or anybody else. So wh- what is the concern if you don't believe in a god,
5: well, um, makes the, it, the world seem like kind of a lonely place. But like mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who's not very really connected to the people around me in the first place. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm like just, like when I'm alone, when I'm by myself, I'm actually by myself. Like with no one if like I can't reach out and be
3: like love. like I can't reach out and be like okay God, I use there. and also But do you get an answer when like, like, you do that? I don't. Yeah. So David I don't
5: get an answer?
3: What what I what I would suggest is you've got what I call a placeholder god. Your 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 lack your social isolation, your feeling of need for other people is not being met and you're scared to lose the last piece which would be the the God, the, deist, the deity or whatever. And I, I've known of many, many place, people who, who want to keep a placeholder God in their life. And I'm going to suggest that it also prevents you from looking at the fear of abandonment, of being lost, of not having contact, and maybe it prevents you from taking some assertive steps, some steps yeah. to help yourself. You know, as long as you got that placeholder God, at least I can talk to that God or pray to that God or whatever but you're not doing yeah. the thing that you need to do to help yourself. Exactly. It's a it's a fear of loss and a, a fear of not being able to move. I mean, once you drop the placeholder, God, you're responsible.
0: Yeah, what, what happens is you, you're like, well, I'm, I'm alone, but as long as I've got God, I'm not alone. Except right. that when you talk yeah. to God, you're not getting an answer, and it appears that you are alone. Right. But what if recognizing that the God you're talking to, whether he exists or not, clearly isn't contributing to your life, isn't answering, isn't truly making you feel less lonely. And the second you give it up, that serves as the foundation for you to take the steps that might make sure that you're not lonely. Because there are, I don't know, 30, 40 people on the other side of the glass now, and there's some people in the back room. Many of them have come from all over the country. Some of them from, raise your hand if you're from out of the United States, anybody here outside the United States? Not today. Uh, And... We're building communities, but as long as people are saying, Oh, no, 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 I've got God. I don't know how you fix the issue, but I understand this isn't, Mm -hmm. this isn't just a pure intellectual or a pure emotional exercise. There's something that's convinced you either that this God is real or that it's in your best interest to act as if this God is real. And neither one of those is in any way a demonstration of having a reasonable position on the issue. And so while I'm not going to say, oh, David, what's wrong with you? Give up God and you'll have all kinds of friends because that's bizarre and absurd. There are plenty of lonely atheists. There are plenty of isolated atheists. There are plenty of people uh, who, once they give up religion, fall into the trap of uh, nihilism and depression and and all of those things. Life is not all rosy on the other side of religion, but what it is is it's real. And instead of relying on something that I have no good reason to believe exists, I have, I'm fortunate. I have lots of people around. I, you know, when last year, when when I decided to get divorced, there was a period of time where I sat around in my house and uh, somebody was supposed to come over and they didn't. And I sat there on my couch and I said, Holy crap. I'm, I'm 49. I'm divorced. Uh, somebody was going to come over. Now nobody's here. Am I, is the rest of my life going to be sitting around in this house by myself with occasional trips up to the atheist community of Austin to do the TV show? And maybe, yes, I'll get to go do a magic show or get to do a lecture or a debate. Um, but, but that personal level, am I just going to sit around on, here in my house? And. Yeah. 20 years ago, after I lost uh, a job, I pretty much locked myself in a house for almost 18 months where I didn't interact that much with the outside world. I would uh, pray and study and play video games, but I was obviously clinically depressed, even though it was never diagnosed. And I made a, a, a rule that if I ever, when I finally got out of it, I made a rule that if I ever found myself in a bad situation like that, I was not allowed to spend more than 48 hours in my house alone. You can take a day, oh. you can take two days, but after that, you have to get out and talk to somebody. Now, I don't know if this will work for everybody, but it's worked for me because while I have ups and downs like everybody else, most of the last year has been great. I have friends, I have intimate partners, I have, and it's all because I put myself out there by refusing to stay home. It's not—I'm not, not going to say it's easy. It's a it's a process of individual character, and I'm not trained to give you device, advice, and I don't know your life. I'm just asking you to consider the possibility that hanging on to a God, when you acknowledge that you really don't have a good reason and you're not getting anything back from it, might be the thing that's preventing you from addressing the other issues in your life. Exactly the same as Daryl was saying.
3: David, what are you doing to oh, get out and interact with
0: uh, We We lost of... David. Oh. Uh, the phone call disconnected or he hung up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that was helpful. I hope David... You know, seeks call call recovering from religion. Yes.
3: There are people there who actually have training who will probably, you know, have more time to listen to you and figure out. And they can connect you to a group that might meet his social needs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, for all those people sitting out there saying, oh, you know, I I, I feel the way David feels. Like I, I might be, I'm afraid to give up God or worse, I'm the only atheist in my area. No, you're not. Yeah, I can't count the number of times somebody's called into the show and said, "I live in this town, and I'm the only atheist yeah. here." And while they're talking to me, I will Google that town's name and atheist, and there'll be organizations there and meetups and other stuff like that. Right. Uh, you know, Google is God. Google knows everything. <laughs> Learn to talk to Google. Uh, it, it's often it's often a good resource to find things. Yep. Right. All right. So we got a couple more calls to get to, uh, and then we're closing out on time. But I have uh, Christian in Ohio. You're on with Matt and Dr. Daryl Ray. How are you?
7: I'm good. How are you? Wow, I'm, I'm uh, thankful to be here.
0: Good. Oh, we're, good. we're happy to have you call. What would you? What, it says here your, your position is that morality can't be consistent without a religious guide.
7: Um, I'm a little nervous, so I wrote like a short little paragraph I can read. And is that okay? okay?
3: Yeah, go for it. Go for
7: it. Okay, so my question is: Does recognizing logic in something mean we have to act on it? For example, I recognize and can use a variety of data to prove that being a vegan is objectively better for the environment, certainly the animals, and even the individual in most cases. Now, even though I recognize this logic, is it wrong of me to not follow through and live my life according to this? And if it's not, why can't I or anyone else for that matter knowingly live in the falsehood of belief in a God if it allows me to live what I perceive as a better life subjectively?
0: All right. Well, could you be wrong? about what counts as a better life in your subjective view.
7: I'm kind of basing it on the idea that the subjective or the that objective morality is based on the idea that we want to preserve the individualism of conscious creatures. So I don't think so.
0: So you're you're saying your subjective assessment of a better world couldn't be wrong?
7: I think not. Well... Well, we found the perfect
0: person then because <laughs> Daryl's not perfect, but evidently you're convinced that you are, that your your personal opinion about a better world couldn't possibly be wrong.
7: It could be wrong, but I'm basing it on science. I think it's, a, it's as close to absolute as we can
0: come. Yeah, I wasn't talking about any specific p- position. I'm talking about the fact that you have, you made this appeal to why couldn't I live my life based on what I personally think is a better world. And I would argue that if you care about a better world, then that should be as data driven as possible we should be appealing to facts as much as possible um and certainly we should strive to be uh, reasonable and consistent but the problem is is that for any individual position we may have a bias that is preventing us from seeing what is truly the better mm-hmm. world and so This is one of the reasons why science doesn't operate in a vacuum. And by the way, to reference a a call from Talk Heathen, science is not only not a religion, science doesn't do anything. Science is a collection of processes. It's the people that do things, and sometimes they're going to do it wrong. So when we say we have a finding of science, well, that's not a statement that this is true. Science doesn't make proclamations about truth. Science gives us the best explanations and models based on the currently available information, and it's subject to change. So, yes, science is the best tool that we have, Mm -hmm. as far as I'm aware, to learn about the world. And logical reasoning based on evidence is the best way to guide our decisions. There are, though, and Sam Harris and I largely agree, but he's convinced that a la something like scientism, all of the questions of morality can be addressed – I largely agree with him but one of the things that we may not ever be able to quantify and assess is something like empathy which is foundational to un- understands good morality in the sense where you're talking about uh, you know animal rights clearly you, you have extended empathy to s- some part or the whole of the animal kingdom that puts them uh, on a level footing with humans other people might not be convinced that that is a moral component. And so if that's the case, then a discussion needs to be had, uh, hopefully supported by evidence and reason. The, the question you asked at the start is if something is logical, does that mean that we should do it? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably just vague enough that I don't think I can give a solid answer. The, the intuition is to say yes, but there's another intuition there that there are plenty of things that are logical. That are wrong. They're really... Love isn't logical.
3: Right, yeah.
0: And so if I'm in a relationship with someone and I'm trying to figure, okay, here's all the things about the relationship I already know, and based on past relationships, here's what's going to happen in the future. Let me sit down and do a cost-benefit analysis (laughs) of how much time I'm willing to invest in this. Um, That may not be the best way to go about establishing a relationship. And it may be that the best way to establish it is entirely about my subjective preference. I don't care how bad this might blow up in the future. I fucking love this person and I'm going to spend time with them. I don't necessarily see a problem with that as long as one is realistic about the potential consequences. I know that that kind of diverged a bit from what we're talking about. I don't think morality is as hard as some people make it, but I don't think it's simple and simple enough to say, Oh, well, here's the logic. Here's the evidence. Now we're done because I'm not convinced that we are in a position where we can understand the entirety of a complicated subject to the point where we can simplify it to that extent. Does that kind of answer you? I, I get what you're
7: saying. T- I get what you're saying, but like to tie it back in with the veganism thing, I can demonstrate scientifically that we're damn it—it's the second largest contributor to climate change. So why would it not be morally in our best interest to not partake in something we don't have to? So i um, you're convinced of
0: of, you're convinced of something that somebody else might not be convinced of. But
7: that, no, but it was. But no, I can, I'm I'm no, uh, but if I use science to
0: sorry, you're convinced of something because you have finding of science. Now, I had a long discussion with Alex O'Connor, um, two hours and a good chunk of it was about morality and some portion of it was about um, a- animal rights and veganism and stuff like that. And it was an off the cuff conversation where I hadn't bothered to look into things. Alex made some of these points talking about how uh, going vegan may be the best thing you can do to actually fight climate change. And he cited a number of references. Obviously, we're just sitting on a couch and we didn't have time to look into it. I've since had some time to look into it. And while there is some validity to the points that he was making, there are also objections to those points, uh, which I haven't studied up on and don't have a way to go through it. If it turns out that eating meat, the process by which we go about it, et cetera, is ultimately going to kill us all, whether it's through climate change or whatever else, then of course we should stop doing that. The problem is, is that I'm not yet convinced that's the case. Other people are.
7: Okay, but I mean, I'm not trying to...
0: Well, no, it seems what cool. you're trying to do okay. is to call in and sit, talk about morality when you really wanted to talk about veganism.
7: Well, but I'm saying I see a, I see a moral contradiction
0: in these And I, I don't. don't see how you- and I don't, and I've explained it. Many, many times, including that conversation with Alex, have you watched that conversation? Um
7: I haven't Kay. but I'll definitely look into it.
0: yeah, but I've- i i my view of morality involves a essentially a contract that is based on the notion of moral virtues and moral obligations. There are cases where if you don't take a certain se- action, it is necessarily immoral. And there are other cases where it's not immoral to not take the action, but it may be morally virtuous. If there's a kid standing in the street and a bus is coming, and it will cost me nothing and I'm at no risk to reach out and grab that child and pull them in, I would argue that I have a moral obligation, a moral duty to do that. But if it would involve me putting myself at risk, I may not have a moral duty, but it might still be morally virtuous of me to make that attempt. It might even be morally virtuous of me to sacrifice my own life in order to save that other person. And so with those differences, I have a moral contract that is undeniably speciesist. I draw a line at independent species because just because there's a human being, uh, whose uh, maybe brain doesn't function even on the level of a grasshopper. That doesn't mean that they're not, that, that they are without value because they have value to other humans, et cetera. I'm willing to extend that and to extend different rights and, uh, different, uh, moral contracts to a variety of different species. Uh, I, Certainly I'd put dolphins and great apes and other stuff in a completely different category from grasshoppers. And anybody who doesn't, I think is nuts, but where we draw the line and I could be wrong. I'm not saying that as a dismissal dismissal of the thing. I just, where we draw the line is something we're still working on and I'm not Mm -hmm. where you are necessarily yet. And this is not my issue. So I haven't spent much time on it.
7: Oh yeah. That's, that's fair, and I understand, but I just have kind of a question you said. So you said you would recognize that not eating meat is probably a morally more virtuous position.
0: No, I, I didn't say anything at all about not eating meat probably being a more virtuous position. I said that it may be the case that not eating meat is the more morally virtuous position.
7: It may be. You don't think that that's kind of obvious?
0: No. you You could be a more morally virtuous person if you don't eat meat, but... That doesn't mean that I am an immoral person for eating meat. Do you think that eating meat is immoral? Mm, not if you need to. Okay. But what, if it, what, you- if, what if you just want to? Is it immoral then?
7: It, I would argue if you have other options, if you're in an industrialized society, then yes, because you're knowingly choosing to do something that's causing harm to conscious beings. So
0: no, I'm when, not. No, I'm not. Eating meat does not cause harm to uh, to conscious beings. If I find a deer on the side of the road and I eat that, I didn't cause that deer any harm. So is eating meat immoral?
7: Eating meat that is, eating meat if the animal was dead due to natural causes, no. But if okay, you so supporting- so
0: we're in agreement. Merely eating meat is not immoral. And so now the question becomes, when does it become immoral? And that's something that I'm not necessarily convinced of. Am I opposed to many of the harmful practices of factory farming and everything else? Yes. Am I opposed to somebody going out into their 400 acres and shooting a deer and eating it? No.
7: So essentially what you're saying is, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're saying that it depends on the context of which, in which you're eating meat.
0: Well, it's a, the, the eating meat part is irrelevant, it's the other actions yeah. that, that contribute to moral questions, not the eating of the meat. But you don't think that it's kind of obvious that. I don't give it. Okay. Let's, let's oh. stop right now. Kind of obvious is not an argument. It's an assertion of opinion. I want arguments and evidence, not it's kind of obvious because clearly it's not okay, kind of well, obvious to me, but we have to move on because okay. we're over time. Go watch the video on Alex. Oh, yeah. And you can email me and I'll be happy to talk about it some more. But I got one more call to get to. So thanks for the call. Appreciate it. We have Luciano, who I I want to apologize to. You, you've waited on hold from the beginning of the show. And one of the reasons that I didn't take the call earlier was because I either misread what the call screener wrote or they wrote it wrong and corrected it. Because what it says now is Luciano has a proof for his pantheistic God. But what I read earlier was Luciano has proof for his pathetic God. (laughs) And I was like, why would I want to take that call? Well,
8: I guess he's pathetic since I I am pantheistic.
0: (laughs) I'm not saying pantheistic (laughs) gods aren't (laughs) pathetic, but in any case, you will be today's final call. Welcome to the show with Daryl Ray and Matt Delaney.
8: Thank you so much for having me, first of all. I'm kind of nervous. I've never been on a any show, or radio or anything. Uh, well, I
0: haven't really I hung up so on anybody today, so you're you're probably safe.
8: <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, I heard everything. <laughs> I had a good day. Yesterday. Um. <laughs> well, uh, this isn't going to be an emotional call, so uh, I won't. I won't. Uh, that was that was pretty intense. Uh But yeah. um, I'm from Argentina. Uh, I'm in Florida now, Jacksonville. Because uh, uh, we can't put up a wall around Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make, right, can't yeah, make yeah, Argentina uh, pay for a wall. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that. that, that, that yeah, exactly. Pay for a wall.
0: Wow.
8: Uh, I don't. I don't really want to buy a wall. Well, here.
0: I'm glad you made it here before we excluded uh-huh. Argentina from right, immigration um, as well. And I yeah, liked. Right. All, I was yeah, there yeah, in I feel, Argentina. I feel Loved bad it. For. Anyway. Oh, cool. We, uh, jokes aside, yeah, go no. ahead and, and let's uh, get to your your pantheistic so, god proof.
8: Okay. So uh, anyway, so I like, get to get straight to the point. I started writing just now, like a whole page, almost uh, and a half. And uh, I have uh, things from the past. I think six years. Uh, I was raised a Catholic, first of all. Um, I was baptized, confirmed, and I forget the other one. Then, when you're like twelve or before that, Um, I thought that was confirmation. I did communion. Okay, communion, confirmation.
5: Yep,
8: that's how that works. So, anyways, my whole family Catholic. Uh, I have a Cuban uncle. Everybody else is Argentinian, so it's very tight knit. They're, you know, it's like a pack, a wolf pack. From, you know, I guess you want to look at kind it of like that. Uh, uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm, you know, I try to be open-minded. I used to be pretty close-minded guy to a lot of things. I like, you know, heavy metal and things like that, I, you know. Uh, I don't really, I, like, I argue with a lot of people because they don't get it. Uh, they're like, you're Argentinian and you do the opposite of what everybody else that I met there. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that's me. <laughs> but um, anyway, so um, I don't believe in marriage or sin, heaven or hell. Uh, but I do believe that science has proved for um, not the existence of, uh, existence of a God, but I believe that we, the universe, is uh, is, is part of God.
0: Well, uh, well, hang on. Uh, just, that, for clarity, that, that just for clarity, yeah. just for clarity, there's two different labels here that often get confused. There's pantheism and then there's panentheism. And so, pantheism is the notion that the universe and God are the same, and panentheism is is the notion that uh, God transcends the universe but manifests within it.
8: Yeah, the first one.
0: Okay, yeah. so you think the universe is God? Yes. Why would we ever bother have, to why uh, Why would we bother to call the universe God when we could just say it's the universe? What? what are you adding to universe that gets you to god
8: okay so uh the reason that i um i guess you know god is like a, most people would say like an almighty being that might come back and you know depending on you know if it's, if it's christian might come back sorry uh and as you know if it's if you're muslim race muslim then you know you think that the opposite or whatever like you know allah is going to come back or whatever so uh i haven't looked too much into that one but um i have uh, experience in high school and in, in a special class that was uh, religious studies. I forget the real name, but something like that. Uh, I learned about, you know, Zoroastrianism, Buddhism, all the different religions. So I started to question my own religion because I was like, what the heck? You know, I had no clue about all this. Yep. You know, I was I was raised in a, in a household where both my parents were like very strict and I felt like I yelled a lot and I felt like I was walking on eggshells and I felt like right now like I'm nervous because uh, I don't really like to express too many of well, My i, I will I am I, more of a
0: private person. Good, good, because Luciana, we're way over time. And so your personal story, mm-hmm. as, as much as I'd love to talk to you for a long yeah, time if we had it. I'll get over that now. Just what what is it that you believe and and why as succinctly as possible? Okay.
8: Uh, so I believe that because of, uh, I'm on the website right now, but because of numbers that I see and because of things that exist around us, uh, like I'm going to give examples real quick and then you can you can tell me what you think. Okay. I hope it doesn't sound too outlandish, but um, there's one called org. It's weather manipulation and earthquake that can actually shoot from up in space or whatever, you know, people believe. Some people, I don't know what about the flat earth thing. I just heard about it, so I'm not going to say that that's true. Uh, I don't really believe in that, um, but...
0: Okay, uh, we're still on things you, you don't believe. The I need I need to know what you believe and why, and I don't know how... Okay weather stuff. I'm
8: getting in there. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of long-winded, everybody. Okay. Me too. Uh, so, <laughs> here it is. So,
0: I supposed to laugh that hard.
8: Uh, <laughs> it's hard not okay, to. Okay, here it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm the. <like, laughs> too deep. Uh, let me see. Okay, so CERN, there's a uh, home.cern.com. There's a large Hadron Collider underground in, in different parts of the world. The first one was in Vienna, uh, Austria. And uh, it's underground. There's a huge circular... Uh, I know it's CERN. Their logo has a Yeah, and the logo has 666 on it uh, in the front. uh, I always see numbers like that. I see one six 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 six. No, sorry, one six 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 six. What the hell
0: does that have to do with anything?
8: Five six 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 six. No, combining when
0: when I get to my house, I see a a nine, a six, mm -hmm. and a four.
8: Okay. Why
0: why are you Why are you putting? Um, Hang on. Um, I have a question. Yes. Yeah. What's significant about six six six? It's a number. It's well, it's, it's, it's one more it's than 665 and I one less had, than 667. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And but, but if
8: you... I'm but you have no...
0: No, saying, no, no. Stop. Stop. You haven't... We're talking about pantheism. You think the universe is essentially God. And in order to reach this conclusion, why the fuck would you ever start with biblical mythology that you reject? Instead, why didn't you start with Harry Potter mythology? Why didn't mm-hmm. you start with what numbers are well, significant just, in Hinduism?
8: You can go with that, too. I have a mark on my forehead that I got. That looks just like the Harry Potter's card that like, as an accident. And I've, the only way I've ever been hurt is accidentally. Okay. I don't know if it's because of my name. I, I'm just saying, like, it's just,
0: you, you are missing you know, the point.
8: I, I feel like things... I understand where you're coming from. I bet you don't. I, I'm getting to it slowly. It's just taking a while. I
0: don't have any more time. I have a lot of... Why, what okay, is yeah, significant... Of, why, why is... Let's say I found a 666 on something. Mm-hmm. What the fuck does that have to do with whether or not the universe is God?
8: Okay, because of this... Um, okay, so uh, the symbols... All the Christian symbols and and the things that have been found, uh, all all can be cubes. Uh, like the 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 cross can be folded into a cube. The all
0: right, the Jewish stop, star. stop, Luciano. Yes, we're done. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you homework. Okay. Go look up phi, phi, and look up golden ratio. I don't know about that. Okay. You, people can find patterns. There are patterns that occur in nature. You can find whatever patterns you want. None of those patterns are ever going to tell you that the universe is God. And if you appeal to a particular religion's symbology while dismissing that religion in order to make your argument that the universe no, is no, God,
8: one, I'm, I'm talking about all of all.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if if in each one Christian, of the, no yeah. stop. If each one of them is similarly irrelevant, then you're, you've piled yeah. up 50 things that are irrelevant. And adding fifty one a fifty first thing that's irrelevant doesn't get you one centimeter closer to the thing you're trying to prove. Okay, and I see what you're saying. Okay. okay. And on yeah. that note, I got to go. But uh-huh. dig into those things. Call us back sometime. Uh, we we do appreciate you calling. This is the thing: is that young people, people who were indoctrinated into a religion, you have a hard time getting rid of that baggage. Definitely. Yeah. And so if you're convinced that there's some significance to the number 666 because it's in Christianity, and you find that there's a, you know, the Hindus uh, have a 13 billion year cycling yeah, calendar, right. which is far closer to the actual age of the universe, maybe I'll become a Hindu. Oh, wait, no, there's stuff in there I don't believe, but I'll keep these little baggage elements, then I'll put them all together and just say the universe is God. Well, why not say the universe is the fucking universe? Right. Because whatever you've added to it is definitionally not the universe, okay? If we want to say Matt is God, we have clearly added something to the definition of Matt that doesn't exist. (laughs) It just doesn't work. And even if I had a 666 tattooed on my forehead that doesn't tell you anything about whether or not the mythology surrounding a particular religion is true or reasonable to believe or anything else, I understand the frustration. Luciano is floundering about, I've given up Catholicism. What is there?
3: It's the placeholder God you were talking about. Exactly. And I want to underline something here. At five years old, when you probably are learning your religion, you're also learning your language. And they're both are getting put in your head at the same time. When you get to be 25, you have the language, but you still have that religion, even if you dumped it years before. And that's the importance of working and working and working on yourself. he he, 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 sounds like he dumped a whole lot of Catholicism, but he hasn't quite been able to let go of that other piece. These things get confused in our minds, just intertwined, the religion and language, among many other things. And he's got a lot of work to do. People like that have a lot of work to do Oftentimes,
0: On that so, note, uh, this brings us to the end of the show. I want to thank uh, Dr. Darrell Ray for being yep. down here today. Thanks for having me on again. Special thanks to the people on the other side of that wall who make the show happen. To all of you who are actually watching the people who showed up here live, this is the Atheist Community of Austin where you have a place, and after the show's over, we have food. I don't know what the hell's going on with food or whatever else, but the library is open from 11 to 9 uh, virtually every single day of the week. There are many different programs going on. Daryl's been on like 80% of them at this point uh, in one weekend. We appreciate your time. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, think and ask questions, and don't reach conclusions until you're really, really sure that you've created a rock-solid path from your suspicion to the conclusion. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
2: You teared up because the barista screwed
1: up your order. You finished a pint of Fudge Ripple ice cream in front of the freezer. You yelled at your desk neighbor, Leslie, for breathing too loud. This time, don't go and buy another box of tampons. Question what you thought you knew about periods. Question what you buy, what you use, what the usual way, right way, is to deal with it.
2: Revolutionize. Switch it up. Try the Diva Cup and see how it can make dealing with your period a whole lot better.